G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. As you think about your life, I'm hoping that this Christmas, those of you who have been Christ followers for a long time, somehow through this series of wonder that you will take on board that God has all the goods on you. Oh man, all the temptations. He knows all the thoughts that go through your mind. Some are very unholy and unrighteous and still, and still, he loves you. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. What a joyful time of year. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill, and we're glad you've hit play or that you've found this broadcast. Throughout this Christmas series, Pastor Jeff has been helping us rediscover the wonder of Christmas. You can find the whole of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. In this episode, we hear the rest of a message about Christmas joy and experiencing the wonder of God. Here's Pastor Jeff. He's been reading from 1 John chapter 1. And this is what I want you to take away this Christmas. To capture this and the difference it can make in your life, you have to do three things. Here's the first one. You got to understand that Christmas really happened. It's an actual event. Often we'll read Matthew chapter one and two, Luke chapter two, maybe John one. And of course, Revelation 12 is also a description of the Christmas narrative. However, first John chapter one, one through four is perhaps the most descriptive of all of the why of the what. Why did these events of the first Christmas take place? Let me read the text. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice what John emphasizes in the text. He says, we saw him, we heard him, we were with him. The one whose life appeared in the manger that very first Christmas from heaven. Why is John so emphatic? And notice that these verbs correspond to the varieties of what we call witness attestation in ancient jurisprudence. In other words, John writes, we've seen it, we felt it, we heard it, we testified to it. And he does that because he's not making conversation, he's swearing a deposition. He's saying that the gospels, the story of Christmas is real. It's not just a set of nice stories or legends or myths. The incarnation, the atonement, the resurrection, all occurred in real space and time. And as a result, everything changed. Okay, Pastor Jeff, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you. I listen, and I know it's Christmas, you've got to talk about these things, but what is it that I, exactly that changed? 
Well, if Christmas really happened, and Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace, mighty God, then religion is a waste of time because salvation is by grace through faith. If God really came to this world in the form of a child, a baby, raised to be a man who gave his life on the cross, then religion is a waste of time. Salvation is by grace through faith. And I hope that you leave this Christmas understanding at least that. The Bible says in John 1, not 1 John, but John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And every first-year Greek student can tell you this is very simple Greek, and it actually tells you that Jesus was with God in eternity long before he was born in a manger or a cave in Bethlehem. Unto us a child is born, to mankind a son, though, is given. A child is born, but a son is given from heaven from God. And then verse 2 of John 1 says, Eternal life was with the Father and appeared to us. Now stay with me. Because Jesus shows us eternal life is possible. That's what we're all after. It's confirmed in the resurrection. And then he tells us how to obtain it. And this is where Jesus is different than every other religious leader, which is why Christmas is different than any other holiday. We're not being told that Jesus has eternal life or that he even gives eternal life. We're told he is eternal life. In every other religion, the founder points to eternal life. Do this and you might achieve eternal life. But Jesus is God come in the flesh. And to unite with him in faith, to know him in love, is to have this life. So the question is, before we move on, how, how does one unite with Jesus? And, and around our church at One and All, we have this huge graph that we often design. And on one side, we've got us on this huge rock and then we've got God over here on this other huge rock. And in between is this great chasm. And we say that the gospel teaches, and this is the reason it's good news, that the gospel teaches that all of us are sinful. All of us. And because we are sinners, oftentimes we'll look out in the world and we'll say, man, the world's a horrible place. Well, that's true, but there's a lot of horribleness in us as well. And if you're honest, we're part of the problem in the world. And so we are separated from God. But Jesus, because of his cross, and then we usually draw a cross, and on that plank, you walk across. The distance between God, or between us and God, has been closed because Jesus took all of our sins and nailed them to the cross. And now those who will receive his free gift of grace can walk across the beam of the cross in a relationship with God for eternity. That is the core of the gospel. We've also said... You know, some people will say, yeah, that's just too good to be true. That I, you know, I have to do something, don't I? Yeah, you got to receive the gift. But we've said that's very difficult for some people. The example I like to use is if I give you a Weight Watchers book and a Dale Carnegie book for Christmas, there's a part of you that's appreciative, but there's also a part of you that says, well, Pastor Jeff must think I'm fat and obnoxious. So to receive that gift, you have to admit something about yourself, fat and obnoxious. To receive the gift of grace, you've got to admit you're never going to be good enough you're never going to be holy enough, righteous enough to stand before God. Religion tells you to measure your goodness in hopes you might get in. Jesus says no one's good enough, but don't worry. I offer salvation as a gift. I offer it as a grace. I know that this year, the last few years, I hear an awful lot of Christ followers saying, man, the world is so bad, I just want out of here. And then I'll hear others say, you know, the church is filled with hypocrites. And my answer is, of course it is. Of course it's filled with hypocrites because none of us can measure up. We're trying and we still believe that the benchmark is good, but in our flesh and humanity, we often fail. Two steps forward, three steps back. We need to be honest about that. In fact, the older I get, the less judgmental I become because of the struggles in my own life. 
And while I have made improvements because of the Holy Spirit in me, I'm still shocked at momentary setbacks in my own life. And sometimes I'll even get depressed. And I'll say, what's wrong with me? And my identity might be shaken. But then the truth of Christmas comes, that I'm saved by grace through faith alone. That Jesus came in real time to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And he paid the penalty my sin deserves so that I would never have to. And if I will unite with him in faith, his work on the cross is credited then to my account. You say, well, how does that change my world? Because he gave up what was most precious to him so that he would not lose me. And when I really take hold of that, I can have an identity that is rock solid. That even in those seasons when I'm not behaving the way I really want to, I'm in good company with the Apostle Paul who said, why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? When you know that these things happened in real time, the only conclusion you can make, you are worth the price God was willing to pay to bring you into eternal relationship with him. And when you understand that, that will give you an identity that is rock solid, that nothing can shake. In other words, because Christmas really happened, salvation by grace through faith. Just quickly, as you think about your life, I'm hoping that this Christmas, those of you who have been Christ followers for a long time, somehow through this series of wonder that you will take on board that God has all the goods on you. Oh man, all the temptations. He, has all, he knows all the thoughts that go through your mind. Some are very unholy and unrighteous and still, and still, he loves you and pursues you and gives you strength for every new day. But there's something else. And that is this, Christmas means that we can actually have fellowship with God. This is unique to the Christian experience, that the God of the vast universe, the depths and the widths of which we'll never understand or see, galaxies far, far away that we'll never know, this God who made all of this, this vastness, this wondrous universe, can be known and experienced. Now, for a lot of people, that seems too fantastical to be true. Go back to 1 John 1, 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I have two friends that I hang out with from time to time. And I really enjoy hanging out with them because I feel I can be myself. I don't have to be Pastor Jeff. I can just be Jeff. They encourage me. It feels so good to be around them, hang out with them, and just talk about the deeper issues of life. You know, the idea of hanging out with God like that, if that's, a, if that's still a foreign concept to you, it's probably because you don't yet understand Christmas. You probably believe general truths about God. You might even say your prayers, might even attend church, but you've not yet comprehended the necessity of immersing yourself into the gospels so that you can begin to see and experience what God is really like. You're probably religious, you're just not yet Christian. This is what's so amazing, stay with me, about the Magi. They refuse to allow their own cultural blinders to prevent them from knowing the real God. Come on, be honest. Culture has determined what God is like in so many minds. And unlike the Magi, you think you have God figured out. And what's uncanny is that he fits perfectly into your preferred war view. This God of yours is safe. He likes everything you like and hates everything you hate. It's uncanny. And you tell yourself that you haven't hurt anyone. 
and you're a good person, and you try to do good things, and therefore, you, I've got nothing to fear. If there is indeed a God who judges us in the end, I'm okay. But there's no real passion in your life to know and to pursue this God, to have a relationship, community, and fellowship, which is exactly why Jesus came, to step into our world, to embrace every one of us. And you tell yourself that God cannot be known, which again, is the God you actually prefer if you're honest. You prefer God to remain mystical and distant and unknowable, one who stays out of your life unless you really need him. Because a God who can be known must be pursued and holds you accountable. And that's precisely the kind of God you don't want. But the sadness is, you've not yet realized that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came to reveal himself to us in order what? That our joy may be made complete. Do you know that's what Christmas is about? That your joy can be made complete that we who were separated from God, God has come near and invites you into relationship through the cross to be received by faith, that you might seek and pursue and invite this God of relationship into your life, knowing that he has all the goods on you and your relationship is rock solid because it doesn't depend on you, it depends on him and his grace and his mercies are new every day. Okay, Pastor Jeff. What is it you think my soul wants most? Well, I know what it wants most because we're all the same. We want hope, security, eternity, joy. But Jeff, that's the point. John says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. Now, this is important. Stay with me. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, with his son, Jesus Christ. Jeff, that's all well and good for John, but we haven't seen or heard. So how can we have fellowship with, with God? Fellowship with Christ. We didn't touch him. We didn't hear him speak. This is precisely why these events, as well as the events of Jesus' life, are recorded in the scriptures for us. In the incarnation, God reveals the lengths at which he was willing to go to make himself known. Think about it. God takes on flesh. And in the scriptures, we see what God is really like as we follow the ministry of Jesus. And in Jesus, we actually see the face of God. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give to us the light of the knowledge of, of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. What's he saying? You discover the real God in the incarnation. You discover the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You discover Jesus in the scriptures. You know, I often hear people complain about the church. Well, of course the church is imperfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But God established the church, the koinonia, the fellowship of mutual sharing. Why? In order that the people of God could come together on a regular basis to focus on the revelation of Jesus that we might know God, draw near to God, and have fellowship with him and each other. To know what God is truly like and then to conform our lives to the image of Christ. Now listen carefully. When we do that, the byproduct is the most wonderful thing of all, and this is the end. Christmas means that we can have a centralized joy. I love the way 1 John 1, 4 ends this little paragraph. We write this, he says, to make our joy complete. We've often stated that when you're a Christ follower, something very unique happens. When you really understand that you have a rock-solid identity in Jesus Christ, and that you're saved by grace through faith, and these events happened in real time in a real place. When you understand that, 
and you really take it on board, and you understand that this vast God, this God who created all things, has reached down into time and space and taken us up into eternity through the life of his son, what happens is suddenly, no matter what's going on in the exterior, inside, there's a centralized joy. Now, sorrow still happens. It's ridiculous to think that we Christ followers aren't sad at times. We are. Sorrow is real. We lose people we love. We make mistakes. We do things we wish we hadn't done. Sorrow's part and partial to this world. But even in the midst of that sorrow that is only peripheral, there is this centralized joy. And the centralized joy sustains us through difficult times. What is that? In the last volume of The Lord of the Rings, there's a moment, one of my favorite scenes, when the future looks very bleak. Things aren't looking good at all. It's dark, it's cold, it's winter. And the wizard Gandalf seems crushed under the weight of the world. And then suddenly, it's almost like you thought that the, the filmmaker spliced the scene in the wrong place because the next scene sees Gandalf laughing hysterically. So he moves just like that. He's crushed under the weight of the world and then suddenly just starts laughing. Despite all the care and sorrow he's experiencing underneath is this great joy. A fountain of mirth enough to set a kingdom laughing were it to gush forth. Dr. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, talks about buying a home on the side of a hill in Philadelphia. He says the whole community is called Hillside. And no matter how hot or dry the weather in the summer, the basement remained moist and cool. He writes, and I quote, we wondered about it until one of the longtime residents told us about the subterranean stream of water that ran down the side of that mountain just under the fountains of our home or foundations of our home. And he says, even when there was drought and agonizing heat, it was always cold and comfortable in our basement. I think this is what Jesus means spiritually in John 4, 14, when he says, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That no matter what's going on around us, and Christians don't deny pain, we don't deny suffering, we have our own questions about God and about this world, believe me, but it doesn't change the reality of what we know that inside there's this centralized joy because we know we've already won. We are in Christ, in relationship, and we will be with God in eternity in the kingdom that is to come, a citizenship in heaven that involves heaven where there's no more wars, no more crying or mourning or death. The new order of things has come. And it's that kingdom because we know we're a part of it, not because we're good people, not because we're good people, but because Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That rock-solid identity stays with us forever, no matter how deep our struggles. And then Keller finishes that segment by saying, the joy that Christmas brings, the assurance of God's love and care, is like a subterranean river of joy, a foundation of mirth that will always reinvigorate you no matter the circumstances of your life. Folks, that's what we're after, and that's what Christmas brings. I love the Chronicles of Narnia, and there's a line that says, in Narnia, it's always winter, but never Christmas. If I could add to that my own lackadaisical, non-profound way, in Christ, winter often comes, but it's always Christmas because there's an overarching joy that rules the day. 
Let me end like this. You know, we always talk about our favorite Christmas movies in my house. And there's one movie that I've mentioned before that my daughter and I always watch together. My wife won't watch it because she doesn't like it. But it's my favorite Christmas movie. I, okay, maybe not very favorite, but it's in the top two or three. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> and the reason it's one of my favorite is because of Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie reminds me of all my relatives. And if you think about it, Cousin Eddie is just a weird character in the movie. However... Can I ask you, who is the hero at the end of the movie? Oh, yeah. Don't underestimate hillbillies, what they can do. Because Cousin Eddie saves the day because of him. I mean, it's a little bit weird what he ends up doing and a little bit risky, but he's brave and he does it and he saves the day. Can I tell you that every year you pass by a manger and every year you witness the least likely hero, a humble baby born in Bethlehem, Yet, in Christ, God redeems the world. And everything that your soul is looking for this Christmas, everything, as you start another year with all the fears and all the years, there's something that happens inside. And even as you hear this message, it resonates with you and you know you've got to try something different, but you're just not sure this is. Can I challenge you that this Christmas, what do you have to lose? Will you make this Christmas a special one? Will you admit your sin? Come on, we're all sinners. All of us, we need remedial help. God knows that. Embrace that. And sent his son into your life and mine. Will you admit that you might have created God in your own image? And maybe God's not like that at all? Will you submit to the revelation of God in Christ? The least I would challenge you to do is read the Gospels. If you want to find out who God is, find out who Jesus is and read the Gospels. And then give your life over to him this Christmas. Those of you who have been Christians for a long time, my challenge to you this Christmas, while you have some downtime between Christmas and New Year's, take out the gospel of Luke, Matthew, John, and just read about Jesus and rediscover him. And maybe as you rediscover him, the intimacy will return. But either way, whether you're far from God and you need to come near, whether you're near to God, but you need to come nearer, remember, Christmas happened and you are saved by grace through faith and you are eternally secure, and you can have a relationship with God as you discover who God is, and you discover who God is through the revelation of God Christ revealed to us in the scriptures. Merry Christmas, everybody. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me wanna dance and sing With every single breath I breathe I will bring this offering You are my wonder You bring the wonder Today 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 with Jeff Vines Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.